0: Welcome to this series of Done Deal Podcasts. In this collection of five episodes, um, I talk about my career in sport and offer some guidance, some tips, some networking possibilities and some general ideas about how to build a career in sport. That starts with building relationships, visualizing your network and developing relationships, supercharging a knowledge base, getting into the process and protecting the process that you start and then trying to see potential opportunities after doing all of those things day after day, week after week, year after year. I hope you enjoy this series of five talks. Let me know any feedback, enjoy them. There's a question and answer session as well for you to listen to from when I did this as an original YouTube series. And uh, let me know your thoughts. So let's uh, let's get cracking. Uh, So what I wanted to to do today on day four of the course is talk a little bit about process. So it's called process, process, process. Um, Yeah, (laughs) CB, you're right. We've had a stoppage before everything started. Um, Yeah, day four is to talk about process really. So if we remember right, what we were um, talking about throughout the week and remember just to say is... My idea really is to um talk for about 15 minutes myself, then spend about 15 minutes on questions. So everybody please get um questions um going and we can start um discussing pretty shortly. Again, what I just want to stress, I know as a lot of you guys appreciate it a lot for Joining for um, day four of the the week course, um, as I mentioned, this is a course for everybody. It's not necessarily just for for lawyers, even though I'm a lawyer because I work with a lot of people in the space. And and what I want to try and stress again is my experience. It's all about the process, putting the processes in place, keeping to them, and generally you'll be in a good place. And even more so than that, making really really marginal changes about the way you go about doing things. And I'm gonna. Um, talk about that there's a brilliant book that I really recommend that I read a while back called The Power of Habit um, and it's by a, a gentleman called Charles Dweig I think is his name um, I'm going to talk about that just briefly in a little bit when we get on to particular processes but it's all process driven and again if there's hopefully a few takeaways you'll take from um, the week's course um, it is worry about the long term don't focus on the short term Don't worry about getting a job in sport in the short term. Concern yourself with investing in particular things and investing in your time productively. And that's by, and we've spent three days doing it now to a degree, building relationships, investing in relationships, and also supercharging your knowledge. Because if you do both consistently, that's usually the best way to be able to get things um, done. Now, if you remember, what we were also talking about in day one was um, articles content and emails and it was effectively when you're reading things connect into people through your network and try and start conversations and if you remember my thought process there was or rather question to yourself is how soon is now how soon can I actually tangibly start doing something based on a technique or a process that at least I'm telling you about or that you read or to actually do something um, as a result i.e. start the new habit and that's starting the new habit in terms of reaching out to people. And I tried to give you a couple of examples of doing that. Now, on day two, what we talked about, and this is obviously in the build up to what we're going to discuss today, was actually then mapping out your ecosystem. So I almost see mine as a sort of spider's web of um, categories, subcategories, sub subcategories. Um, people within particular clubs, lots of people within particular clubs, some people in agencies, who works with who, have you connected with those people, how to reconnect with them, how to establish relationships, how to maintain relationships, that overarching spider's web. And alongside that day, too, it wasn't necessarily just to build, maintain relationships, or rather um, uh, visualize those general relationships. It was how do you deal with each relationship at a time? How do you maintain it? How do you um, recollect things that are being said and discussed? How do you listen better? How do you attune what you're trying to say to other people for them to attune in to what you are trying to offer them at the same time? And how you make that um, reciprocal relationship, basically. And how do you think long-term? And yesterday, um, if you remember right, if you if you watched, if you didn't, then the, 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 the stream's obviously available. What I then tried to do was to... Talk to give some examples about how you then sort of supercharge your knowledge base. And what I tried to explain was, um, in way of practical examples, was start reading five things a day in areas that interest you, summarize them in a few sentences, start a knowledge journal. I know it sounds all a bit like self-helpy, <laughs> but it's really important just to be able to track the stuff that you're reading, how you're going about doing it. There was one great comment the other day about. Why don't I start, why don't that this person start a blog on the things and topics that they're reading about? I think it was a brilliant idea for a, for a book. Um, and then it reinforces the stuff that you're reading and listening. And, 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 and that's almost the point, which is, you know, you've got to invest your time and you invest your time in the long term, not the short term. They're the, the invisible habits that we were talking about. And they pay off, not now, but in three years time. And that's what investment is. And you steadily build up that investment so that you're doing, in the end, hundreds and even thousands of hours worth of, of knowledge investment. And, and that's my sort of ultimate point to get then into the discussion we're going to have today, which is so important to get into that habit and that routine and that process. And as I mentioned, it's it's actually really difficult to do. It's difficult to do in the short term because you're changing habits, whatever they are, even if it's shorter, longer um ideas as they may be you know we're all humans and we have routines it takes um some perseverance to be able to change that routine even slightly and so day four today what I want to try and stress um to a degree is the 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 multitasking element of that because I remember there was a question yesterday about what do I what should I prioritize should I prioritize networking and building relationships or should I prioritize um, knowledge building and gaining a more more expertise and technical understanding of particular areas. And my view is, ideally, you've got to try and do both at the same time. They should be working in parallel. And so, if I'm reiterating the points that I've already said, um, what I would argue, or I would try and persuade everybody to do, is. Now what you've got to do on those process points is you've got to start crystallizing the processes, both from a knowledge building perspective and also from a networking perspective. Get that journal going for all your knowledge stuff, particular things that you've read, particular things that resonated. Note those key points down day after day after day. Come back to them if you necessarily need to and and review. And at the same time, if you can, build build actually that ecosystem chart start small start specific go into different categories it doesn't need to be perfect in effect ideally it should be pretty messy um, it should be interlinking you can always do it iter- more iterations of them but you've got to try and get that type of ecosystem your network your relationships the things that you can um, ultimately use to your advantage you've got to be able to visualize that in some way that becomes a really important element um, in my mind And what I loved that Professor um, Dr. Urquhart um, um, mentioned yesterday, and I was thinking about that overnight, actually, um, in terms of how I can incorporate it into today, he gave up a great um, phrase, which he said, he said, protect the process. And I loved it. I loved the idea of protecting the process. But actually, I think there's a step to do before you protect the process. And that is, you've got to make it a habit. You've got to make the process a habit. And I think you make the process a habit by trying to f- just in very small, marginal ways, changing something about your daily routine. Because the point is, I, I, was, I, was re- I was mentioning that before. I was reading a great book a few years ago called The Power of Habit um, by Charles Dewey, as I was mentioning. And um, he talked about trying to make very small changes that have quite big impacts, and if I give you an example that I realized is that um, I, you go, I go through phases of getting up early in the mornings and not getting up early in the mornings, or staying up late and not staying up late, and sort of oscillating between different phases. I'll talk about as well. But um, I, I, I wanted to get up to the gym to go particular days, and particularly to go to classes. Um, I do a, um, a class before everything happened here called Barry's Bootcamp, which I love. Um, it's a fantastic sort of um, uh, class to get the endorphins going but sometimes I wouldn't be able to get up to the early classes because I just would be like I'm getting out of bed and I can't do it because I don't have my gym kit and I'm not ready to go etc and actually what I realised was that if I had my gym kit right there next to my bed ready to go and literally put those clothes on and get out of the house I was almost double the like I was double likelihood in order to actually do and go to the gym that day and obviously the more you do it the more you enjoy it the more likely you are to keep, to keep going. So the reason why I say that is there's definitely gonna be times, because we're all humans, and especially as things slip, where you're not gonna to keep to the process, you're not gonna be able to make those habits, those little marginal changes. And what you need to actually consider is not berate yourself too much for not doing it, but actually work out why you're not doing it, why it's not working, measure why it's not working, make it as easy as possible for yourself to make it work and it might well be that you're better in the morning um, getting up early getting things done for the first 20 minutes or half an hour a day when everything's quiet there's not too much going on and you've got that peace um, in the opposite way a lot of the time at the moment for whatever reason um, I'm finding myself quite a night owl I'm staying up till quite late maybe um, midnight after midnight because I have that maybe two or three hours from maybe nine or ten o'clock until that time where everything's quite still and I have that time to tick the list of the things I need to do, get on with the things that I need to effectively get on with. and I have that time without too much interaction. So what I would really try and um, think about, which is it's easy to say process process, habit, habit, keep going, don't iterate you will founder at some point what i want to try and get you into the grips of of understanding is how you go about recovering when it doesn't go perfectly when you can't keep the process going for whatever else it might be because all that you should be effectively thinking about doing is making 15 minutes into a habit 15 minutes daily into a habit every single day if possible no slacking but when you do slack or when things don't work out or you can't change those little things and you can't make those marginal gains work out why you're not doing it because and this was part of my prep for um this evening that i was trying to think about what motivates me um to 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 keep doing things Um, and again i'm not perfect there are definitely times when i'm um not motivated and I have no inclination to want to do anything but most of the time I do and I realize it's usually one of two things the first is I love just creating I love being creative in my job sometimes Um, and I love putting things out there I love creating the new things like this for example Um, writing a new blog doing a podcast doing a piece like one of my charity um, things that I do is my own charity fashion brand which is why I keep wearing all this where I wear the cap all the time Sort of subliminal buy me messages for the cap, Um, but I needed to tap into something, and I realised for me it was um, my way of finding my own competitive advantage. Was I I, I was generally always being a pretty hard worker, and I realised that if I I could outwork a lot of people, a lot of people on the whole were not as motivated to me to work very hard. Um, and that's one of the things I realized as well quite early on is that I got results from working very hard I had a decent memory and I could recall things on a page quite well Um, and so I knew that if I worked very hard on particular things on the whole I could generally try and achieve but what you've got to basically do is tap in to that trigger you need that trigger maybe it's And it could be an insecurity, it can be a positive element, but sometimes you've got to be able to find that quite innate motivation and maybe it's being rejected. For me, it definitely was at particular times, but almost like I'll show you um, I'm better than you think I am. Um, Maybe it's a desire to do better as well, which it was. I was always wanting to learn more generally about particular things. Maybe it might be in spite of your parents. Maybe they brought you down. Maybe it might be the opposite. Maybe it's to reward your parents for them giving you a better life and maybe you want to give them a better life um in, in result in return more or less and so my honest view from a deep psychological perspective if you've got that insight and that ability to be able to do to a degree is you've got to think long and hard about the why why do you want to do this deep down why do you want to do this and then if possible use that as the fuel use that as the fuel on the fire because You know, everybody goes through hardships, some definitely more than others. Um, uh, And it's difficult sometimes to find the reason, the motivation, the desire, the fuel. And it definitely takes some analysis. But thinking long and hard about what the trigger is makes it a lot easier than to be able to work out why you want to do it and why you want to keep to it. That's an important, in my mind, psychological thing to consider. Um, And then, you don't necessarily think you need to make big changes on stuff, as I mentioned, 15 minutes a day, small marginal things if you can. And I wanna just give one very brief example and then we'll get to some questions pretty soon. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give you the example of actually of, of my book. Um, so I'm using it at the moment as a mouse, <laughs> mat, which you'll be pleased to know. But I, I was looking at this book before that I had, um, that um, I spent a lot of time on. And I realized that this book actually, um, in terms of hours and time spent, from my calculation, is probably around 1,500 hours worth of work. So it was around um, 10 hours a week, um, 40 hours a month, um, uh, more or less 500 hours of drafting a year, and it more or less took about three years to, to write it. And I think if at the time I'd have thought about those amount of hours, I would have been completely put off. But what I was concentrating on was just like the weekly process of four hours on a Sunday night, three hours on a Monday night, two hour three hours on a Tuesday night as well, constantly throughout that year. And it was really difficult really, to be fair. And what I had to do, it was my wife did a brilliant job, was to try and plan out the the book writing um, uh, structure and you know I remember when I got the the offer to write the book I was just really excited that I got the offer and it took some time before that to make the um, the proposal and to do a sample chapter and the rest but after I'd planned it out and mapped it out that it's going to do this chapter it's going to be these amount of words and in the end it was sort of eighty five thousand words to write I realised that after put the chapters and the subcategories and how long that was going to take and what how that was going to work I was already about Two, two and a half months behind was the truth um, for the deadline that the, the 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 Bloomsbury had given me. So I, I think again, it was like I was very much comforted by the process. Don't worry about the end goal of trying to get the book out in eighty five thousand words. Think about what I can do each week to put in place the small small building blocks. And so hopefully that's um, a decent example to be able to show about how I wasn't really thinking about the end goal. I had to think about the end goal to the truth in the truth because I had to get the book written. But actually, I was more thinking about those small little increments, which definitely helped me um, uh, in the process. So uh, that was some of my thoughts. We're we're at 18 minutes. Um, I wanted to then just to go through a few questions. So hopefully everyone will get their their questions going. Um, And then we can start. So uh, Mark's got a question, which is, um have you ever encompassed any major uh, challenges in building your networks if so how did you overcome them um well the the, the simple challenge is that some people just don't want to know you is <laughs> the, the ultimate truth but in the end you play the num. it sounds really weird you play the numbers game um you keep on wanting to meet people there are so many people out there generally to build relationships with it's not like a zero-sum game it's not like there's a challenge in building your network it's simply okay that's fine but there's lots of other people to meet and to discuss and to talk with and it fits in with the general approach that I have which um, tends to be Uh, The more that I read about particular topics, the more interesting things hopefully I can say to people about those topics. And that's how you build your network and your knowledge base at the same time. Um, It's constantly thinking about what I can do to expand my network, going to conferences, emailing people, chatting with people constantly, asking for introductions. People are making introductions to you. Um, finding particular ways to interact and connect with people. So it's not necessarily whether there's any major challenges in building your network. My mind is it was always, I don't mind starting from one, five, 10, 50 people. You've just got to find innovative ways to increase and expand and and build on that. Shizhou John, even though uh, if I love the process, I may have to start my career not doing exactly what I want to do. Uh, What do you do then? Should I look at the long-term goals and its benefits? Exactly. So invest in the process now. Don't worry about the short-term of finding the job right this second is is my honest view. Um, Again, as I mentioned, when you're thinking about knowledge and skills, um, those can be built in parallel to your job. And that's what I did for the best part of six or seven years when I started being a lawyer. I wasn't really doing that much sports stuff. I was doing different amounts of sports work at different times, but it wasn't my full-time exclusive role. Again, I was doing work across tons of different sectors, but what I was doing in my spare time or when things were a bit quieter at work um, or mornings or early, late nights or whatever is doing things in parallel so that my knowledge would build up i would build my network up i'd go to conferences i would try and build and get more clients and get more work in from particular sports clients or otherwise um, and then what it means is that when usually as you build your network more opportunities arise more opportunities to speak to people happen um, and so yeah just don't think short term think think longer term um gordon and uh, gideon thanks for joining from yeah, montenegro and nigeria fantastic Um, football CFB this is Callum Uh, I found that when building networks that developing a good trusting relationship with one person leads into another via your first trust connection then you've got a web of a network I completely agree I think it's brilliant which is build trust with one person that you do a great job or you provide value or you offer something great and they then will feel more comfortable and trusting at opening up their network and their relationships to you so I think it's great Mazen, hey, welcome from Lebanon. Um, Brandon, I'm studying international football business as a degree. Would you still recommend not specifically trying for a job in the industry right away? So this is the, the thing that I would absolutely suggest is I've got no problem with you applying for every possible job in the sports and football industry full stop. What I am saying is don't limit your options and the opportunities just to the football industry and the sports industry because your skills, your knowledge, your ability to be able to morph those skills goes across just football and sport. You should have a skill set that is equally um, uh, equally flexible enough to be able to span different sectors and that's the important thing my mind is go after every job that you think is relevant to you in sport and football but don't limit yourself just to sport and football because if you do and the job and the dream job might not be there right away you shouldn't become so dis- disheartened that if you can't get the job now it means sport isn't for you what it actually means is, is that there might not be a job in sport for you at the exact moment that you're looking for it and what then you've got to do is find those wider jobs, that wider remit, that great understanding that comes from working in a range of different sectors across vast amounts of industries. So that in the longer term, if you still keep building your network, if you still keep investing in your knowledge base, you can come back into the sport sports industry at any particular time you know jobs and life is not a straight line i have to start in sport i have to continue in sport it might be that you start off in the manufacturing sector in pr and comms but you come back in in five years time in a much better role because you've got that those skills and you've got that expertise um Haroon uh, hi Daniel how did you go about creating your process well uh, hopefully um, what I've just said uh, in a bit of detail and in previous days will give you that idea you, you just gotta you just got to start with one thing one small thing to change if it's reading five articles if it's contacting five people if it's doing small incremental bits and start that process and keep it going um, Gordon, uh, ah, so you've got a question for Dr. Urka, I'll leave that for Dr. Urka. Um, uh, Tijana, uh, can you tell us what was the most challenging part of your career when you started? What set of skills helped you the most? It's like anything, like everything is challenging because you don't know anything. It's almost like you don't know what you don't know and you only learn on the job um, is the truth to an extent. And I was just lucky enough to have some good experiences and some bad experiences which held which you know held a candle up. I was really lucky to have quite early on maybe three or four people at my first job that um really just invested in me that told me practicalities of things. That told me when things needed to be improved, how I'd go about improving them, how I'd write emails in a certain way, how I'd draft documents better, um, how you communicate with clients in a particular way. There were just loads and loads of practical things that people gave extra time for for me and gave me some slack because when you're starting out in any industry, it's impossible to be perfect, apart from if you're, you know, some mind reader or you're just so good that you just sort of get it. But for the vast majority of us. Um, You need those people to be able to help you in a a vast array of different things. So my my recommendation is to try and grasp onto those mentors, to try and find those people that are willing to give you some time to invest in you, that are willing to see beyond the short-term mistakes sometimes because they can see that you're trying very hard that you um, are willing to invest your time, you're willing to uh, go above and beyond um, and, uh, and see where that takes you. Um, Andrew, uh, is journalism a good start to become a football agent and how difficult is the process in a corrupted league where there are fixed matches? <sighs> um, I don't know where to start there. I mean, journalism and being a football agent are two very, very different skill sets is the truth. Um, so I'm not sure if, you know, going into journalism to become a football agent is necessarily the, the, the um, most logical career path. But if, for example, you started as a journalist and then you want to transition into a different particular area, then I think one of the things that you need to think about is how your skills that you've learned in journalism can effectively move or be dynamic enough to be relevant for um, for that area of football agency. And and for corrupted leagues, I, you know, I don't really have that much experience there. Um, it's a difficult one. and only read what sort of goes on in the press, I'm afraid. Um, Aria? Um the one thing I advise anyone when applying for jobs is to pick out key responsibilities and skills on the job description that match up, and come up with the with STAR, which is situation, task, action, result examples. Um, yep, yeah I'd, yeah, I'd really. That sounds like a really good idea. Um, uh, let's say sorry. I'm just. Yep. Chirato CB, question for both Daniel and Erkut. Do you believe it's possible to drill in the right processes? to the extent of automaticity. Um, uh, I don't think anything ever becomes automatic. It just becomes more ingrained as a process of being like, oh yeah, I'll keep doing that. And what actually happens, it becomes a little bit autopilot. Um, but again, it's it, it takes a long time to form habits. Sometimes months is the truth. I was speaking to some of the guys in our team today at Sheridan's about that, uh, about how long it takes to change particular small habits into things. So yeah, it's not necessarily things work automatically or processes can change. I almost wouldn't worry about that. I would just consider how to make those small changes, Um, would be my point there. Um, uh, Panelotis, does eSports require different separate education and or experience than than proper sports law, <laughs> proper sports law? Um, th- it's like anything. my my view on eSports is um, you've got to understand how the industry and the market works, and it is um, quite specialized at that. but it's the same with any sports or with eSports. The founding and fundamentals are very much the same. It's contract law, regulatory pieces, um it's employment law. Um, It's contracts, it's IP, it's putting frameworks in place, it's licensing requirements, it's disputes, it's all of the same type of things, but to understand the esports space, it's a very complicated space because it's not necessarily uh, just one space, it's multiple spaces and multiple silos of particular games across particular publishers Um, in lots of different countries in a variety of different jurisdictions without too much overarching governance in some respects. So, uh, yeah, that's my my short answer on on esports. Peter, um, in terms of process, would you say your typical day is highly structured or have uh, or do you have individual tasks and you try to do every day at varying times? Um, Yes, it's a really good question. I tend to at the moment do my processes, sometimes throughout the day, if I'm trying to um, get in touch with people, I'll maybe spend an hour doing business development, network building a day. Um, And then in the evenings, I will tend to do maybe more of my creative knowledge building. So I'll tend to read some pieces in the day. Uh, But usually it's around an hour, an hour and a half that I'll spend in the evening when it's gone a bit quieter, where uh, my brain's a bit quieter as well to be able to to do that. But again, it doesn't. My own view is it doesn't matter. Some people are better in the mornings. Some people are better in the evenings. Um, I find that for exercise, I'm much better in the morning. So I'll try and do my exercise in the mornings because as the day goes past, it's, you know, there's always an easy excuse not to do it. Um, But yeah, ultimately, work out what works best for yourself. Uh, Robert, um, do you consider setting short-term goals help you with your discipline to maintain the process? Yes, yes, yes. Set those short-term goals of a week. More or less, try and measure your weekly output. Um, So just see how your first week goes. See how good you've been. Um, Have you done it every day? Have you done it four, six times out of seven? Have you done it five times out of seven? And give yourself a mark, really, because then you can see how it goes for the second week. So measuring it is is really important early on, and then it becomes a bit more automatic, it becomes a bit more of a habit, and usually inside about a couple of months it becomes more habitual rather than like, oh, I forgot to do it today. Uh, Miles, um, have the areas in which you've specialized initially been applicable directly or in a significant way in your sports law work? If so, would you mind explaining or giving an example? Yep, so just very briefly there, um, you know, a lot of my work for maybe the first five or six years was um, antitrust and competition law. It's what I did my master's degree in, um, and it involved a lot of detailed regulatory work in relation to cartels. But what I realised was that because there was lo- lots of regulations and lots of reading of cases, um, it actually meant that um, I had to really get to grips with reading detailed, difficult EU. Commission regulations European Commission regulations and what once it meant that once I uh, once I got into that habit of reading regulations constantly and consistently when it then came to the football regulations they were actually a lot more straightforward at the point I'm not saying they're easy to understand but they were they were sometimes a lot more straightforward and what that enabled me to do is because I I didn't mind reading the regulations I was interested in reading the football regulations was that I then started first reading Um, the Premier League regulations, which have gone up to like 400 pages now, then the Football Association regulations, then the UEFA FFP regulations, then the FIFA transfer regulations, um, and then seeing how, and then the EFL regulations, for example, and then just seeing how they all slotted in together and how um, they mixed in and how particular competencies worked. So that would be my bit, which was, yeah, my expert, my experience and knowledge of reading regulations definitely helped in then Um, In putting that into my specific football and sports hat on when it came to those particular regulations, which I quite enjoyed. Um, Nayla, is there any particular other industry you would recommend to get a job in which mirrors the sports industry in certain aspects? Well, Nayla, the question is, it's not what mirrors the sports industry. It's what particular discipline you're interested in. Um, and that's the, the way round I would always see it, which is it's not I want to have a job in the sports industry. It's I wanna, I, I'm want i interested in law. I'm interested in marketing. I'm interested in comms. I'm interested in PR. I'm interested in accountancy. I'm interested in social media. It's all of those quite disciplined areas that have sector-specific focus in sport. So don't think about sport as the end point. Think about what, what are the jobs in sport that you're interested in. And then... Think about all of the different jobs that cut across those sectors, and sports being one of those sectors. Um, Babadola, uh, do you have a process with regard to evenings? I find myself trying to network and work on my knowledge, struggling to prioritise. Have you got any tips um, in the evenings? Yeah, I mean, uh, again. It, it simply depends on what works for you. I find my evenings, I'm more likely, I'm more, my brain's more receptive um, uh, in relation to um, reading particular things and gaining that knowledge. So again, 15 minutes, reading two or three interesting articles, getting a knowledge journal out, writing down those bullet points, great, did it for today, move on. Um, sometimes that's, how, uh, that's sometimes how I see it. Um, so, uh, yeah, Dr. Urquhart's made a good point that Pinney Zahavi was a, ju- uh, was a journalist before he became an agent. So, um, yeah, great points there. Um, thanks, Urquhart. I uh, didn't know that. Um, so, uh, Brandon's come up with a point. Um, uh, Would you recommend writing a dissertation on something you plan on engaging with as a career? Yeah, I, I did. I did it, to be fair. Um, but it's not not essential. It definitely helps you get a really deep understanding of the topic and it forces you into that deep understanding but again it's not crucial my view is is that you can in a way get that detailed knowledge and understanding by doing it yourself um, it's not straightforward and it takes quite a lot of dedication but we've got that time uh, maybe we've got more time than uh, than others at the moment some of us might have some of us have got you know plenty to look after with kids and jobs and everything else on the on the but if you can and just to spend that small amount of time i'd um, i'd really recommend it Um, so yeah, we're at 35 minutes. Thank you everyone for attending. I just wanted to give you my book recommendation for the day. Um, it's a book by, um, a fantastic journalist called, uh, Matthew Syed, who writes for the Times and And it's just a really liberating message, which is it's for kids really to motivate them to a degree. But the the simple message really is, is that at the beginning, you're not going to be very good at anything. Um, and a lot of people can be disheartened about not being very good. But if you put in place those processes and want to practice, then ideally you start building competency. You start becoming more motivated. You see change. You see incremental benefits that happen. And he talks about the story about him running more around the block and needing to get a particular time in order to be able to get better and beating his brother, etc. And it's a great read. So, um, yeah, I'd really recommend this. Um, You're Awesome by Matthew Syed. He's also written a brilliant few brilliant books. Um, one is called Bounce, which is one of his bestsellers. Um, he's written another one called Black, uh, Black Box Thinking. And he's just written a recent one called Rebel Ideas, which is one of my favourites, actually. I think it was my favourite one, uh, Rebel Ideas, that I'd really recommend. It's sort of on the power of diversity. So on that note, um, we're almost at the end of the week. Um, I hope everybody will join me um, at seven tomorrow where we'll try and bring some of these ideas together. But what I'd really like from you guys, if possible, is just to give me some of your feedback as to how you've gone about that process. How have you started doing things? What have been difficult? How have you gone about doing it? Just to see some practical examples of how you're trying to put these things into practice. So that's why I wouldn't mind you guys giving a bit of thought over the next 24 hours, just under 24 hours. And I hope to see everybody this time tomorrow for uh, the last session for the week. Thanks, everybody. I hope everyone has a good time. Oh, yeah. And also, um, if you can and like the uh, and like this, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please do like it. And definitely, please spread the word. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast. Like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13 which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.